Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. One of my lab mates texted me the other day, just out of the blue. She was like, is it normal to feel like you want to die every time you open your thesis document? So, Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? So I started a new book. The book's called Revolutionary Power, An Activist's Guide to the Energy Transition, written by Shalonda Baker, which I found because when the administration turned over, I work at the Department of Energy, and they named all the new political appointees. And one of them is a newly created position, which is the Deputy Director for Energy Justice, which I'm so excited oh. about. So of course I like had to find out Shalonda Baker is the woman who was appointed for it. And I went and found out her whole life. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm obsessed with her now. <laughs> She's, <laughs> I was bad. I was like watching YouTube videos of her. I bought her book. <laughs> but, really? But she's, I haven't, yeah, yeah I haven't but heard she's of her. like, no, no. I mean, I, it's very specific to the Department of Energy. I don't know why you would have. In the words of Mariah Carey, I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> yeah, not even like the big ones, like the mid-level political appointees. <laughs> oh my God. Not mid-level. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just I'm really excited because like the administration is new. So we're like energy justice or environmental justice was a no-no word before. Like climate change was a no-no word. And now we have a political appointee who wrote a book called Revolutionary Power and Activist Guide to the Energy Transition. So I'm actually living for this. She better work. Shout out to you, Shalanda. Whenever I meet you, I'm going to know too much about you. (laughs) I've stopped you. I read your book. I'm sorry. But actually, I'm really like, I'm really excited about the type of work she's doing and the type of work I get to do now and like not pretend that renewable energy is separate from like social issues. Right. Because that was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, now we're back to the normal, like stupid political issues, which is great. So we had an all hands meeting for like my section of the Department of Energy and the woman who was running it was like, she meant to say ambitious, but she goes... Biden is setting ambiguous goals for the Department of Energy. (laughs) You know what? That should be my Instagram handle. Ambiguous goals. (laughs) Ambiguous goals. So what have I been up to? I've been currently obsessed with the James Blake song, Barefoot in the Park. You know the song? No. I actually discovered, like, you know how you play a song on Spotify and it takes you, I don't know how the algorithm works, but it somehow landed me in this song and I instantly loved it. The lyrics are sort of poetic. It has like this um, gloomy, but also very soothing feel to it. I don't, I don't know how to describe it better than that. Mm. Is this a new song? I don't know if it's new, honestly. Yeah, if it's a new song, I'll, I'm sure I'll hear it in six months, which is how far behind <laughs> pop culture I am. Oh, it was released in 2019. You should be catching up just about now. Just yeah. like I am. <laughs> I'm further behind than I thought. Uh. I do like the feel to it. It's a good song. I've been mm-hmm. playing it on repeat. And I've also binge watched two shows. The first one is the new season of Disenchantment. Do you know the show on Netflix? No. It's basically a, a cartoon about a medieval princess coming of age with her elf and her pet demon. Yeah, a pet demon. Of course. By the way, the pet demon is fucking hilarious. Like, the pet demon is written in the same vein of Roger from American Dad. He's the irreverent Mm. one who just says exactly, yeah. It's drawn in the style of The Simpsons, and the whole show is just ridiculous. (laughs) It has, like, the same similar humor as um, Simpsons 2. The second show is, somebody recommended this to me, and the person listens to the podcast. The person recommended the show Why Women Kill, and I think this is a good show. It's a dramedy that follows the lives of three women who lived in 
in the same exact house in Pasadena, Los Angeles between 1963 and 2017. And the first couple bought the house in the 1960s, the second couple bought the house in the 1980s, and the third couple bought the house in the 2010s. And each owner had a murder slash death happen in the house, but the circumstances of the deaths are entirely different, and each story fits perfectly with the American culture at the time that the owner lived in the home. Lucy Liu basically overacts as a rich, glamorous woman in the 80s, which is why I agreed to watch the show in the first place. And she did not disappoint. What I went there for, she gave me. The show is great. I think the writing is brilliant. I think the three stories that they have of the three couples are very interesting. I'm intrigued. I want to watch it. You've sold me. <laughs> I hope I didn't overhype it though, but I was living for the show. Maybe it's just trash and you'll let me know when you watch it. <laughs> you want to talk about the GameStop thing? I mean, I can try and introduce the GameStop thing, which is just that I started scrolling through Instagram and seeing all these memes about GameStop and stocks, and I was confused and completely out of the loop, and I tried to look it up, and then I was just <laughs> realized that I was dumb and I don't understand the stock market and I was like okay I understand that something happened with GameStop and some other stuff I I like felt like such a fucking idiot but I was like I don't understand I actually I didn't even see the memes I just saw that GameStop was trending and I was like Mm. You mean that company that people used to buy video game cartridges from? Like, yeah. why are they trying <laughs> that to... That still exists. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I was so curious to find out exactly what it is. So I actually went and looked this up. I looked the whole thing up and I tried to understand it. The story is that GameStop... See, I'm doing it. I can't say GameStop stocks. I keep yeah. saying <laughs> GameStop. GameStop stocks have risen 1,700%. That's 1,700% since the beginning of this month. Some part of this ridiculous stock price hike is because GameStop announced that they hired new directors to transform the business into a digital venture because, you know, malls are dying everywhere and the brick and mortar stores like GameStop, they are taking a hit. So they were like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. We hired these three new directors. We're going to try to move our company into the digital age. And they were like, oh, maybe this is actually going to stop. By the way, I should preface this by saying, GameStop stocks for many, many years have had a downward trajectory because people already predict like GameStop is going to die with the malls and stuff. So they're not doing so hot on the stock chart. But the majority of why the stop, the the stop, help me here. (laughs) The majority of why the stocks, (laughs) but the majority of the reason why the stocks went up in price so quickly and so high is because the millennials and the Gen Zs are driving up the stock price just to fuck with Wall Street. They just want to fuck with Wall Street short sellers just to be petty. (laughs) They just want to be petty. That's mainly what this is about. And it's not just GameStop, by the way. It's AMC, BlackBerry, like companies that (laughs) we all know used to be popular. (laughs) I didn't say failing companies. She did. I said companies that used to be popular. (laughs) The CEO of BlackBerry won't listen to our podcast now. (laughs) Sorry to the CEO of BlackBerry. Sorry to that man. GameStop, AMC. (laughs) Sorry to that man. Yeah, these companies are failing. So the millennials are going at it. They're like, we're going to make this as petty as possible. I guess I have to explain what a short seller is. So a short seller is pretty much most people on Wall Street. It's like a tactic in trading where basically a short seller will borrow stocks from a brokerage expecting those stocks to crash in price. Then they take those stocks and upsell them and then they buy them back at a lower price to return the person they borrowed it from. So say for instance, to break it down into like common terms, right? Um, a company is going to sell 10 stocks each worth a dollar, which is $10. So what I'm going to do as a trader, mm-hmm. and this is not illegal by the way, I will go to that brokerage and say, <laughs> hey, those company stocks that each cost a dollar, can I hold on to 10 of them for like a certain amount of time, which is what is called the short position hold. So that amount of time is when they get to borrow this trade and do business and trade it as much as they want and make the profit. But at the end of that period of time, they have to give those stocks, all 10 of them, back to the company that they got it from. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. So they basically borrow the stocks and use them to do business, but at the end of the day, they have to give them back. So this model works because if you sell it at a higher price and then later it becomes cheaper, do you see where I'm going with this? You just buy the cheaper Mm. one Mm -hmm. and give the 10 stocks back. And the difference in price is the profit you've just made right the problem is that millennials don't like this 
They just don't love it. They were like, uh-uh, not on our watch. <laughs> They're not about it. The millennials and the Gen Z, they decided to just go buy so much of the stock that they created a high demand for that stock and the price just skyrocketed. <laughs> so now what's happening is the people who are short selling, they're fucked. They are absolutely <laughs> fucked because all the short sellers are, honestly, they are losing money <laughs> because the stock price is now worth more than they sold it for. Meanwhile, they still owe those stocks that they traded back before the short position hold timer runs out. So if you took those 10 stocks that were each worth a dollar and you sold them for a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty. You don't have them in your possession anymore because you sold them and you took the profit. If you want to go buy them back now to return those stocks to the person who loaned them to you, they're no longer mm -hmm. worth a dollar. They're now worth like fifty or a hundred dollars. So yeah. you right now, on each stock, you owe ninety nine dollars on each stock. And I just use ten as a starting number. These people didn't buy ten. No, 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 no. Right. They probably bought thousands and thousands. I would assume that they bought hundreds of thousands of these stocks so they owe a lot of money so they are sure those short sellers are <laughs> owing a whole bunch of money just because uh the gen z and the millennials are just being petty so you know what they have to do in return now if that stock <laughs> used to be one dollar now it's a hundred dollars but you see as a short seller that that stock keeps climbing in price and tomorrow it might be worth two hundred dollars if you're smart you will buy that stock back at a hundred dollars and return mm -hmm. it quickly to the person you borrowed it from before it becomes $200. Because the higher in price that gets, the more money you lose. You know what then happens? Yep. The short sellers had to go and buy a lot of those <laughs> stocks to return them, which <laughs> then in turn drove the demand for the stocks even higher. And because the demand is now even higher, <laughs> guess what is higher too? The fucking price. So the whole thing is just a cycle <laughs> that just keeps rolling. And they go back and forth on that cycle until the price gets up to be 1,700%. Obviously, I think most people who are doing this understand it's going to burst at some point. But the millennials right. and the Gen Z, they are holding out because they think this is hilarious. And they're just being petty for the pure <laughs> joy. Because these people are probably going to lose money on this. But for the pure joy of it... They are just being petty. Now, you know what's funny about that? Elon Musk saw this whole phenomenon and he thought it was fucking hilarious. And he went on Twitter and he posted, he posted game stonk. And everybody read that and they got in on it too. So that Elon Musk's tweet just made people buy that stock even more. Dri drive the price even higher and just create even a higher demand. So those short sellers who were hoping that this is just a, a short phase, that the price is gonna go back down quickly. And there's like, oh, we'll just wait and buy it when it's cheap again. It just keeps yeah. getting more expensive. So those people <laughs> who didn't buy it back then, they're even more fucked now than they ever were. This story fundamentally amuses me because the solidarity, and this actually mm -hmm. caught fire on Reddit actually. Like the solidarity of yeah. somebody on Reddit just posting, oh, we're doing this. And so people started making jokes. Oh, I paid off, which they weren't even jokes. They paid off mm -hmm. the balance on their student loans by trading GameStop stocks in oh one month God. or less one <laughs> month or less shout out to gamestop stocks you guys are the true winners of 2021 honestly i don't see any other person winning like this i mean they're the year's still very young no. we have time <laughs> but like no other person is gonna skyrocket 1700 percent in the in no gamestop Game they've stop. won 2021 everybody go home <laughs> gamestonk <laughs> I'm stonk. Why did no one text me to make money off of this? Honestly, I, mean, I wouldn't have honestly. understand. But like, <laughs> I yeah, I want to pay off yeah. my student loans. <laughs> <laughs> From GameStop stock trading. GameStop stocks were worth four cents on August 31, 2018. They were worth four cents at the end of 2018, and today <laughs> they are worth 325 dollars per stock <laughs> so imagine if you bought it at the bottom out point for four cents and you bought because at four cents you could buy buckets of those you could buy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those and today it's worth 325 dollars per stock so if you traded all of them you took the cash and you got out of it now easy millionaire status in one day mm -hmm. i mean the taxes will be annoying but like the story makes me really happy just the fact that everybody's yes. like, we're going to agree to fuck Wall Street over. Are you in? And everybody's like, let's go. Yes. People really hate Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs>
I love pettiness. I also hate Wall Street. Like, I, there are so many things I like in this These story. These are a few of your favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so, on today's topic, guess what, guys? We lied. On today's episode, we will not be discussing sports. We will not be discussing food. We will be discussing <laughs> social media part two. <laughs> Surprise, bitch! I thought you, but you thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> Social media part two. <laughs> oh. For those of you who oh didn't get that, oh god, I hate that I have to explain these jokes. That was a reference to season three coven of American Horror Story when Madison comes back and she goes, "Surprise, bitch! I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me." The range, darling. The range. Have you seen that um, GIF oh of somebody doing a skit of Shirley Bassey talking about Tina Turner saying she doesn't have the range, darling. She doesn't have the range. Have you seen that? No. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so stupid. It tickles me. <laughs> Tina Turner, oh 1995, did the soundtrack to James Bond. You know, I like James mm. Bond. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, but Shirley Bassey from like the 60s all the way through the 80s did almost exclusively all the soundtracks for all the Bond movies that came out in those years. And then people were asking mm-hmm. her, how did she feel about Tina Turner taking a shot at doing a typical Bond song? And Shady Shirley Bassey was like, the range, darling. The range. She doesn't have the range. <laughs> she doesn't ah! have the range. <laughs> The vocal range, it's not there. She doesn't have the range, darling. The range. She doesn't have the range. She doesn't (laughs) have the range. Shirley Bassey's a riot. Shout out to Shirley Bassey. She's great. Oh, by the way, I know some people don't actually know who Shirley Bassey is, but you know the song that um, Kanye and Jay-Z did? Diamonds from Sierra Leone. Diamonds are forever. Oh, yes, it is. Listen to our playlist on Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) Big empty purse, all one word. (laughs) Yes, please do it. The voice that goes, diamonds are forever. That's Shirley Bassey. Mm -hmm. And she is a fucking legend. If you don't know who Shirley Bassey is, pause the podcast, go find her catalog, (laughs) listen to it, and then come back, okay? Look at us. We're teaching the children what range is while giving them range. Stonks, Shirley Bassey. I'm going to start saying that in my real life vocabulary. I will just walk up to people and be like, the range, darling, the range. She doesn't have the range. (laughs) Back to the topic that we introduced, social media part two. Remember the time that, speaking of social media, do you remember the time that Zuckerberg had to testify before Congress and he ended up like sitting on a, on a, pillow for whatever reason and he was drinking water (laughs) and people kept making memes of it saying he was a robot not a human yep i do remember that that was (laughs) what a weird moment i couldn't understand it i was like when the meme came out none of it made sense it's like one of those paintings you see where they talk about this is what it feels like to have a stroke where they put things that just don't belong in the same photo but when you look harder they're not really those things that you thought they were and you just question everything yeah I looked at that photo and I was questioning everything. I was like, why is Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, testifying to Congress, first of all? Also, why is he sitting on a pillow while testifying to Congress? And third of all, why is he drinking water like he has never used his lips before? I was just like, there are so many things wrong with this photo so that photo was weird but i figured a lot of people saw that photo but they didn't actually know what was wrong with it so i suppose should we do the honors of breaking it down to people yes honestly we're just gonna end up being the podcast explaining shit at this point we're just gonna teach the children to have range i believe the children are our future give them range and let them lead the way teach them about mark zuckerberg so we're going to break it down to you why Mark Zuckerberg was testifying to Congress. So, okay, this is all about like the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And basically, Cambridge Analytica is a political data firm hired by Trump's 2016 campaign. And Cambridge Analytica was funded by Robert Mercer, who is a wealthy, wealthy Republican donor and also founded by Steve Bannon, a former advisor to Trump. Recently now, pardoned um, Nazi Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So the issue was that the company asked Facebook users to take a personality survey on an app. And as soon as they took that survey, the app basically collected all their data, the location, their likes, who they're related to, yada, 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 and used that data to tailor propaganda and inaccurate news, which would then be used to influence people's behavior in a way that could change, I don't know, say their voting. So he was pretty much targeting <laughs> propaganda to people who he knew were the deciding votes. And basically also to discredit other people and put like really inaccurate and false news out there. That was the issue. So anyway, uh, Mark Zuckerberg had to answer to Congress to explain why Facebook was complicit in such a huge data breach. A huge data breach. But Zuckerberg maintained that it was not a data breach because no sensitive information like passwords were permitted to be taken by the third party affiliates. He also said that um, when Facebook users agree to the terms and conditions, it allows their data to be used for research purposes. However, Facebook prohibits the sale of the data to advertisers or data brokers or monetization related services. So basically, they couldn't cash him on the fact that he allowed propaganda to be on his platform. They caught him on the technicality of federal trade commission called for an investigation into whether facebook violated a 2011 consent agreement to keep users data private zuckerberg said that facebook immediately removed the cambridge analytica app from the platform once they realized what had happened and they hired a firm to investigate what cambridge analytica did with the data that they took we all know what this is about look Honestly, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, the Federal Trade Commission says if you're going to sell a product, you need to keep the data of your users private. But that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. This is about the propaganda and the false news that they used to right. sway the vote. Basically, they're upset because this undermined democracy. And that was the issue. Right. So, of course, they needed a scapegoat, which, by the way, listen to the story and thinking through it, reading about it. Zuckerberg did absolutely nothing wrong. No, well, I, let me not say that. Yeah. Zuckerberg has probably done several bad <laughs> things that are wrong in his life. But in this very specific scenario with Cambridge Analytica, it doesn't seem like Facebook was complicit. I don't think Facebook was mm. in on it with them to undermine democracy, if that, that makes sense. What a throwback. I had totally forgotten that. Like, that's one of the great things about social media is like something just is a total flash in the pan and is like everywhere for 48 hours. And then you forget about it for three years. And then all of a sudden it's <laughs> hilarious all over again. <laughs> Let's just take people through some throwbacks to something <laughs> you laughed at three years ago and then forgot about <laughs> the viral trends. Do you remember planking? Yes. That one stayed around a long time, actually. For those of you who don't remember planking, it was literally people taking pictures, laying with their body completely straight, like a plank on things. <laughs> That's planking. it. That's all it was. But people would just do it on like ev everywhere, just anywhere planking. <laughs> it was so stupid too. Like they'd go plank on the wall of China. They'd go plank yeah. on the border of US and Mexico. And I'm like, but why? <laughs> what are we accomplishing here? What is the purpose of this? Like Cardi says, what was the reason? Yeah, we didn't need planking. That was a, a flash in the pan moment in viral <laughs> I do remember this one. It says Tide Pods. It didn't even need to say anything else. Like, because in context of me just reading Tide Pods, Tide, Tide Pods is supposed to what? Washing clothes or what? But you and I don't even need any explanation. We know what Tide Pods means. No. And it Tide means, pods. do you want to explain what this challenge was? It was so fucking, wow. Who thought of this? So when we look at the list and see Tide Pods, what we think of is the Tide Pod challenge where people would eat Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> Except there was this whole... <laughs> on social media going into their laundry room grabbing a tide pod turning on their streaming let what? me have video evidence of me eating this detergent <laughs> <laughs> oh god i don't know why first of all i need to go research this and know exactly how this came about because it, i'm curious to know how the fuck did this start and why was it so popular i don't know i don't know like some things you can see why they catch on and other things it's just it, why 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 yeah i met harlem shake and i wrote harlem shuffle <laughs> but i changed it i fixed it roughly the same <laughs> thing worry, i fixed it I, I was like is there something else i don't know about the harlem shuffle is a thing right it's not it's not the social media trend but i think it is a thing that exists maybe not maybe oh. i maybe i invented the harlem shuffle i don't know oh it's a song Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, it's a song. Oh, it's a dance. It's a dance that goes with a song? <laughs> 
Oh, maybe that's where they got the Harlem <laughs> Shake from. The Harlem Shuffle was the original. Oh, maybe. It looks like that's the case. Yeah, because like, do you like do you know the street slang when people say someone is um Harlem shaking? Of course, you. Re- that's what we thought it was when the, the challenge came out back in the day. We thought it was just people tweaking, mm, right? Yeah. Because that's what people call the Harlem Shake. If you if you are going through withdrawal symptoms from using high doses of recreational drugs, and of course you are twitching. <laughs> People just call that the Harlem Shake because, you know, druggies in Harlem back in the 90s. But the the Harlem Shake, it was really pretty funny. Like it was the like same clip of the song and people would dance, like make videos dancing to it. And then it, it was one of those memes that it was like, oh God, it's dead. Like it's caught on with these groups. It would be like the Boise State Troopers do the Harlem Shake. Like, yep. <laughs> like Everybody, every group. fucking person. George Washington Middle School does the Harlem Shake. <laughs> 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 The New York Police Department does the Harlem Shake. That was a stupid one. I, I actually participated in one too, which is why I feel so terrible about this. You Some did? of this was because we had one. This is a like it was a campus-wide organized thing where those who wanted to participate, we all met in front of Hunt Library, the grass patch in front of Hunt Library, and we covered the mm-hmm. whole lawn of that cut. Everybody mm. just gathered all around it, and somebody was holding a camera and they screamed, "Do the Harlem Shake!" and the beat drops and all of us did it. Can you believe I participated in that shit? I got out of bed. I went to campus and I tweaked on a lawn for roughly 15 seconds for social media. This is how you know we are a crazy bunch of people. Does that sound like normal behavior? <laughs> Does what I just described sound like normal behavior? It sounds more normal than eating a Tide Pod, but that's not very high bar. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, and then another breathe. stupid eating challenge, the cinnamon challenge. Do you remember the cinnamon challenge? Oh, I do. Glozelle. <laughs> I remember Glozelle for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, it, where the challenge was just to eat like a giant, it was just to eat a giant spoonful of cinnamon. Oh, so I found out after that went viral that my husband had done that in high school with his friends before it was a social media trend because apparently when you're a white teenager in Connecticut, <laughs> there's nothing else to do. <laughs> But dare just... each other to eat spoonfuls of cinnamon. <laughs> spoonfuls of cinnamon. <laughs> I say white teenager yeah. in Connecticut as if there are non-white. Like, <laughs> you mean a teenager in Connecticut? <laughs> yeah, that was unnecessary oh, to clarify. But the, the other thing is, by the way, we're going to have a, we need to have a, a whole episode about hipster culture. Where like, I was shoveling spoonfuls of cinnamon in my mouth before it was popular. Before you knew anything about it, I had done did it. I'm so glad you were ahead of that curve. I'm so glad that you were doing this, this oh, specific God. thing, eating cinnamon. I'm so glad that's what you had to contribute to this world before we all got a hold of it. I'm not roasting anybody. Oh, I'm just saying in general, like, hipster culture <laughs> up. I did it first. There's also the ice bucket challenge, which I don't want anybody to call me a social justice warrior. But, like, the ice bucket challenge just seemed a little problematic to me because mm-hmm. it ended up being, like, a, a kind of force for good, blah, 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 blah. People would pour a whole bucket of ice on their head and they would challenge somebody to do the exact same challenge. And along with the challenge, it was... Oh, do the challenge and donate X amount of money to the ALS uh, Foundation, the Amyotrophic Lateral Sclerosis Foundation, right? The ALS Foundation. So, like, they have money to do research about this really debilitating disease. Now, Mm -hmm. it just looked like the whole premise of this fundraising scheme is to record people on tape shaking uncontrollably, shivering because they had just put themselves through cold ice and people think that is the image of people who are affected by ALS. It just seems a little insulting. Like, oh, yeah. Look at us shake. This is how the people people with ALS shake. I'm just shivering, but you know, it's about the same thing and let's use this challenge as a way to raise money for this said disease. It's it's like are we making fun of the disease yeah. while raising this money or what's with that? I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, why couldn't this be any other challenge? Why couldn't this be um bouncing a ball and shooting over your shoulder backwards? Like that could be a challenge that would like most people can do that. A lot of people can mm-hmm. do it as a fun challenge. It's not hurting anybody and it would still have the same 
impact just say oh do this challenge and then mm -hmm. raise money for als why is it specifically the imagery of somebody shivering looking like somebody who has amyotrophic lateral sclerosis like i i didn't like that but i wasn't trying to be the one extra woke out here being like let's not do this yeah. fun activity it was just it was odd because it was weird and also not very entertaining it was like why are you no. like like i agree with all the reasons you said but also on a pettier level like it was just like okay like you dumped ice on your head like i can only watch so many videos of people being like oh that ice was cold oh <laughs> man <laughs> 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 the tiktok challenges are great they're entertaining to watch everybody dances it's beautiful i love it so you know um the last episode we actually didn't cover a lot of the major social medias we skipped a few but mm -hmm. fear not so one of the ones that we missed from last time was tumblr tumblr was really popular i suppose shortly after facebook became popular i don't know how to describe tumblr like how would i describe tumblr to somebody who yeah. has never used tumblr like yeah tumblr tumblr is a, a unique unique place <laughs> it's sort of i feel like it's similar to like the retweeting feature on twitter where there's like all this content and like tumblr was a lot of like re i think it's called reblogging on tumblr where you just like post yeah. a lot of content and like share content back and forth yeah but in terms of the interface like i don't know why it was special i don't know <laughs> i actually was really late to tumblr okay. like why you use tumblr yeah because like i i, I understood know. like what was cool about twitter twitter was the words uh, instagram was the pictures facebook was the pictures and words snapchat was the short time they set to send photos vine was six seconds of video like every single thing had a very specific niche that it occupied for it to become successful what niche did tumblr occupy i don't know that's why we're talking about like the b team of social media sites this episode i wasn't late to tumblr uh, maybe i was i don't know i don't know I, this thing is I don't know when Tumblr came out, so I can't really say if I was late or early because I know when I joined, but I don't know relative to when it came out. When did you join? Um, 2009. Watch, I'm lying and the, the software didn't even come out until like 2013 and I'm like, <laughs> I had Tumblr before it was created. <laughs> 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 but uh, Tumblr, right? I wasn't late to Tumblr. I joined in 2009 and I liked it not because of the format, but for why people were using it. So I would go on Tumblr and it was so much fun because every page, quote unquote, blog had a very specific feel to it. Everybody was so specific and the content. So some people had blogs about plants, house plants, and the person who's running that blog is a huge expert on house plants. And the entire blog is <laughs> so detailed and informative. And I would go on Tumblr to learn about things that I had no business learning because I knew that I would find a blog that was interesting, entertaining, engaging, and it would teach me <laughs> some stuff that I just didn't know about. So I was on Tumblr pretty much every day. I learned a little bit about everything, everything. And the one experience that I remember from Tumblr is learning about fashion in general. Mm -hmm. And I had no business with fashion. Growing up, I was kind of like Andrea Sachs from The Devil Wears Prada, which by the way, <laughs> do you know that I still remember that recited speech for Cerulean. You do? By the way, yes. this is a segue. I still remember that whole speech. Oh my God, I'm gonna do it. Andrea Sachs, she's like chuckling because some girl holds up these two belts that look exactly the same. And she was like, <laughs> and Meryl Ship was like, something funny. And Andrea Sachs was like, oh, no, no, no. It's just those belts look exactly the same to me. And uh, I, I'm still learning about this stuff. Meryl Streep was like, this stuff? Oh, okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blindly unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it filtered down through the department stores and trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fish it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars in countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice to exempt you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene 
I feel like I, I used to feel like Andrea because I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's clothes. We put them on. Some of them are pretty. Who cares? And then when I went on Tumblr blogs, people actually broke down why fashion is cool. What's interesting about it? And I became a fan instantly because mm-hmm. I didn't realize and I never thought about it so much. A lot of the stuff that we have today in terms of what we wear, if we just say, oh, clothing is not art, because some people would try to say, oh, well, fashion is basically wearable art and we live our lives in it. That's why it's important. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a feel good argument, but that's not what I'm going for. If you think about all the clothes that you and I wear, Mm -hmm. if you think about a turtleneck, for instance, the first time a turtleneck appeared as a piece of garment, somebody had to design it. You don't think of turtlenecks today, but there was a point in history where they didn't exist. Someone had to create it. And now everybody knows what a turtleneck is. The little black dress that everybody has that nobody, you know, really thinks about. Hubert de Givenchy. Givenchy <laughs> made that popular and introduced it to pop culture. The polka dots that we have, that print, some atelier mm-hmm. had to figure that out. Or even stuff like the tweed suit that Chanel has that everybody can recognize when you see the tweed suit. Mm-hmm. That tweed suit was basically Coco Chanel being like, everything up until this point in history has been women in corsets. It's uncomfortable and we are tired of the shit. Coco Chanel was a feminist. She was like, so women, we're just not going to be wearing corsets now. I'm going to make you a fashionable tweed suit. And everybody was like, but tweed, that's a man's jacket. And Coco was like, not anymore. We're wearing it now. And she made these beautiful tweed suits that are iconic. But that's what Mm -hmm. I mean. Like the moment in fashion that the Chanel brand came to be, people just say, oh, Chanel, Chanel, Chanel. But they don't understand what was so important that she added to the world. And Mm -hmm. the sailor print shirt, the blue and white that all Mm -hmm. of us wear today and we don't think anything of, we just think, oh, French sailors. It was Coco that made that popular. Mm. We don't think about it anymore. But like that signature, it, it always was part of like a uniform of something. But she introduced it in pop culture as everyday wear Mm. and i thought that another example is balenciaga people think of balenciaga and think of the the shoes but the thing Mm -hmm. that made balenciaga popular was the fact that he used to construct garments into geometric shapes Mm. and until balenciaga did it nobody ever saw clothing to hold the kind of form he was making the fabric even till tomorrow designers cannot get his designs right because (laughs) people look at fabric it doesn't matter what fabric you use fabric is not supposed to look like that and he Mm. would make it into a dress and not only a dress that just you know you just hang up somebody could wear it and it would retain that shape as they wore it basically moving fucking art i was like genius or ysl ysl was popular for a whole number of reasons but yves Laurent, that people just say a ysl he actually was popular because before he came around and started giving women pantsuits women in high society or for professional reasons just didn't wear pants and mm. he was like yeah fuck that women are going to start wearing pants and from that point forward pantsuits became a thing women could wear pantsuits in a professional setting and i was like even the inauguration that just passed michelle obama jennifer lopez all of them wearing pantsuits mm-hmm. all of that is popular because of what ysl contributed to the world of fashion so now mm-hmm. i have like a whole different appreciation of what fashion actually is it's not just clothes people throw on and just some are pretty some are not yeah no somebody created something and contributed that to the world and i'm like so yeah now yeah. i like to go look at a lot of the collections most people look at fashion in like the vain vapid way i don't know if it makes sense like oh they just think about the cute dresses the pretty photos and posing mm-hmm. like a model that's not fashion what Whatever that is, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but it's not fashion. Fashion is the construction of the garment for it to fit a specific time and period in history. But anyway, I would go look at the collections now and think, <laughs> if I were alive a hundred years from now, would I look back on any of these pieces and say, ah, this was the moment that this came to be like mm. a garment in popular culture. Right. And I look at the new collections mm. like that, like what is the thing about this that will make sense in a hundred years? What is the thing about this that is going to be the first time we've seen it in history? And it was the takeoff point where so a lot of the collections don't have them anymore and i don't know why but everyone to know by the way this is not a fashion episode yet <laughs> this is not the fashion episode yet but the lady who is currently the creative designer at the chanel for women haute couture she is fucking it up royally no. she took over when actually no. she worked when Karl Lagerfeld was a creative director of Chanel, she worked with him. And now Karl Lagerfeld is dead. So anyway, she's now, Virginia Viard is now the creative director of Chanel. And her collections these days are so stale. God forgive me for saying this because I'm not a, I, I wouldn't know how to create it. I just know how to appreciate it. They're stale, stale. She's basically recalling what Chanel has done 
all through history. And I'm like, yeah, but we've already seen it before. When we look back at history at your collection on this moment in time, it wouldn't have been the thing that took off. It's mm -hmm. a recall of yourself. I went on a whole rant about fashion, <laughs> but I hope I made any kind of sense. No, I'm, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about it. Like, I know uh, the show was Tim Gunn <laughs> and Heidi Klum. Project Runway. Project Runway. Oh my God. Yeah, so Project Runway <laughs> is pretty much my whole knowledge of fashion, which is not nothing, but right. like, but I don't I know just like. <laughs> somebody who doesn't really think about it thinks Project Runway is the fashion, mm -hmm. but it's actually not because the fashion is the design aspect. That's what the fashion is about. Mm. What Project Runway is, is garment construction. That's a show that judges garment construction. So it's almost like a Cristobal Balenciaga challenge where they'll say, oh, uh, create an idea and they want to see how you, so if you have a, a dress that's supposed to take the shape of an A, they're mm -hmm. gonna go look at, okay, what fabric did you use and how are you maintaining that A shape? Do you have to cinch it at the waist or do you have to flare it at the hem? Like mm -hmm. that A line that we want to see, how are you doing? What are the techniques and the skills that you use to get there? And they're judging more so that than the actual overall design of this is mm -hmm. the thing that's going down in history. Yeah, Fashion was not the only thing that Tumblr got me hooked on, but a whole bunch of other things that it just pretty much opened my thinking about those things. There, There's another one that I haven't fully grasped my mind around it, but I think it's important. So a lot of other types of art that may not be abstract, but kind of in the avant-garde, where it's not like, oh, it's not a portrait of Mona Lisa, like it's Mona Lisa, mm -hmm. we know what it is, we know why it's important, blah, 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 blah. Great. But there, there are <laughs> tumblers that actually take each painting or piece of historic art and they explain it to you what it means. Huh. And that was also really fascinating because a lot of Salvador Dali's paintings with the clocks that look like they were dripping off of corners of wood. Mm -hmm. That actually has a really symbolic meaning and a real explanation of his concept for that painting. It's not just a painting of melted clocks, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that tumbler would break down each painting and tell you the story behind it and why it is the way it is. So I would look like a painting like that. And I'm like, yeah, melted clocks. And now I look at it again. I'm like, I see what it is. Yeah. So there was a tumbler that like broke a lot of those type of paintings down. I learned a lot. Honestly, I need to get a degree from tumbler. Yeah, the masters <laughs> in like stupid information. <laughs> I swear to you, a lot of the cultural learning I did in my life in terms of having the range. A lot of it came from Tumblr, I swear. A lot mm. of references that I know that maybe should not be from my generation or my age group or a lot of other things that I just happen to know because like I'm in science. Why do I give a shit about fashion? You know what I mean? A lot of the things that are so outside of my major interests, I learned from Tumblr. Pretty much everything came from Tumblr. So this is why I think Tumblr is great. I'm sure the, the, the upcoming generations will, will have something similar to Tumblr, I hope, because that kind of curation of information, you know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. not like, it's something you could look at and never be interested in, but the first time you look at a Tumblr page, you're like, wow, hmm. that's really how this works. I hope the kids have something similar to Tumblr, but Tumblr has since been bought and now is managed by um, Yahoo, yeah. <laughs> and they've pretty much just turned it into a, a hollow house. Because I think mm. they wanted to scrub it clean and make it um, child-friendly. Yahoo came in and they're like, oh, we're a family-oriented company. All our media has to be like family-safe. So now that we own Tumblr, we need to like scrub it down of all the stuff that maybe is not friendly to a child. And I'm like, yeah, but all that interesting stuff that all those very niche people could learn something about, they're just gone now because if, say for instance, you run a fashion blog and you posted a photo of Naomi Campbell doing a tasteful nude shoot that has a really artistic, iconic representation in time, like that's art, especially when you explain it from the perspective of why it's important. And they'll say, well, but it's just a naked woman with tits out and kids can't see that. So take the whole page down. Okay, yeah. There's, there's, they missed the whole <laughs> point. Like this is the forum for experts all around the world to share their creative knowledge like they scrubbed it down yeah. yahoo bought tumblr and just and as soon as it started happening people started like getting the information off their blogs moving it elsewhere because they knew that was the end of tumblr that yeah. was the end i was holding out hope thinking oh this is gonna be like a they'll announce it and everybody's gonna be like no don't do that and then they'll like kind of back off and then let it nope they committed to it they went they scrubbed the whole thing clean and i was like well that's you killed your own website yeah you killed it that by the way is what killed tumblr huh serves them right though well man now i feel upset that i missed the boat on tumblr because i didn't get a tumblr until like way later like 2015 or 16. i followed three people i followed you <laughs> one friend who does like historical fabric 
fabric restoration and another one who just like reblogs memes about being bisexual. So I just like reblogged those and reblogged like photos of Beyonce from your Tumblr. And I did that for a year and then I abandoned my Tumblr. <laughs> and that's all I did with Tumblr. Tumblr was great. I don't know if I've done justice explaining why Tumblr was great, but it really was. The two <laughs> blogs that I oh, had, yeah. I actually had two. Actually, I had three. I had three. I had one, but the, this is the most recent, like this is the last of the three that I actually started was about interior design hmm. where I would, I would look at each decade. This is just a short example. Each decade of interior design is different based on the amenities that were popular at the time. Mm -hmm. So the amenities kind of put the structure for what each person's home would look like. So say for instance, in the 1930s, they had those fridges that came in green. Yeah. First they had the chrome and they had the green color. You know, do you remember this? Yeah, I do. There were the green ones, there were the pink ones. Yeah. And mm -hmm. say, for instance, if the amenity in your house was that color, it dictated how the rest of your space would be designed. Mm -hmm. So if the amenity was like green and the stove was green, then guess what? They'll probably put like a green accent wall in there. That's why mm -hmm. a lot of those um, pin-uppy photos from the 50s look like they're pink and they're blue and they're red, like from those households, is mm -hmm. because of that interior design of the time. Now, if you move past the 40s through 60s and you move into the 70s, then it all became <laughs> like earthy tones because of like the mm -hmm. freedom movement, the dark greens, the browns. So a lot of the houses in that time featured wallpapers that were around that color. They featured like dark wood versus like the white vinyl from the previous decades. So that kind of drove the thinking for the interior design in that space. So if you fast forward all the way to 2010s, we go into this whole, oh, the world is in a state of excess consumption and then the mindset is okay let's try to create spaces that are not cluttered that are multi-purpose use and they're minimal so you started to hear about minimalism and everybody will like have clean walls no big stuff hanging on the walls no gaudy furniture everything was perfect edges round flat and people really liked because of the minimalist approach dark colored fridges so the fridges are not they went from being like multicolored to white to black and now we're at stainless steel right and so now if we're mm -hmm. going to focus on the minimalist everything has to be clean and stainless steel the rest of the space has to follow suit mm -hmm. so all those decades have very different interior design motifs so if i were going to run a tumblr blog i'd probably arrange my blog in such a way that i explain concepts like that or my blog would be like a rainbow smear where like the first photo could be red of a home that was decorated with the red in mind or the second photo would be orange mm. and the third photo would be green and then blue indigo violet whatever and all those homes <laughs> would just be arranged in that color of my blog and i'll explain to you why each decade was particular to a certain color anyway this is what i mean by how tumblr was so creative you could do it in a number of ways yeah. and it was always fascinating to see i just beat the whole tumblr importance to death <laughs> the other two blogs that i had for those of you who just completely missed my whole rant <laughs> is i had a interior design blog i had a fashion blog blog and the third one was like pop culture so the pop culture <laughs> one was the most active one and the other yeah. ones were just basically hobbies for me like learning stuff and mm -hmm. archiving the stuff that i learned i still don't understand what reddit is and how it works and that's the truth reddit actually is somewhat similar in having like so they're not blogs run by individual people but having these extremely specific communities but it, it like <laughs> it's literally all over the board like they could be themed around literally anything in the world so there's one some of them are funny so like one of my favorites so like they call the each community is called a subreddit and they usually refer to it as r slash whatever the name of it is so one of them is r slash tripping through time which is all just like like it's just memes made out of classic paintings oh that's cool <laughs> yeah so that's the kind of stuff that's on reddit but like some of it is like some of it's actually useful reddit. some of it's really stupid like i for i don't even know how i stumbled upon this but i followed r cinder block because there was this really giant gray cat who was on like a weight loss journey <laughs> and the cat's name was Cinderblock. but apparently the subreddit used to be <laughs> just a bunch of people posting literal photos of cinder blocks so there was like this whole like the community got <laughs> taken over by this by the fat gray cat <laughs> reddit is so pointless sometimes wait that happens <laughs> yeah like reddit's topics could change just by what the users or the the members are mm -hmm. interested in over time yeah it's so weird 
That is a, a brilliant place. concept. I love it. Are accounts necessary? Because I usually don't have an account. I just go in, especially like if I have like a computer type question, a very specific thing that's wrong with my computer and I look it up on Reddit is usually one of the first thing that pops mm-hmm. up because somebody in that very niche community has experienced it and they already wrote something about it. So, But that's the only reason why I use Reddit. I yep. don't have like member communities that I'm a part of. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of groups like that that are devoted to specific topics or like helping people with specific topics. So it's always a good use for that for like personal accounts it's you can like subscribe to different communities and just get a feed that you scroll through like the big thing on reddit is people upvote content so like if you i mean it's basically just liking Uh so like the more people like something the more likely you are to see it so it just like makes a feed out of but it just mixes it all together so like (laughs) it's pretty odd so like just depending on whatever you can just scroll through and it's like oh "Oh, here's a classic (laughs) painting meme here here's the giant fat gray cat like here, like, here's one on like a here's TV how to show. fix your computer here's if it's like, broken. It's, yeah, here's how to fix your computer. Like, it's all in the same page. You don't even have to in the same yeah. span of your screen space. I missed the Reddit train. I don't know if I can join it now. If it's still popping, maybe, but I I, mean, I don't know. I mean, that's where they uh, apparently started the GameStop thing. So <laughs> I missed <laughs> I missed that part of Reddit. <laughs> There's also like the social media that's not social media, but it's really just dating apps. Can we even call them social media? I don't know. I well, don't... I guess we did it. We yeah. call them social media. We're going to discuss them. <laughs> so get into it. Well, they're not new anymore. I guess t- Tinder has been around for a while now. You know, apps like Tinder and Bumble. I think they're great on account of there's a pandemic and meeting people so it's just convenient that we had yeah. social media before as great as they are i think the premise of a lot of these apps is just problematic here i go again being a social justice warrior <laughs> i've always thought they were like low-key problematic and i don't know if you agree with me or not but like yeah oh yeah <laughs> the whole thing is problematic because they created a whole like super like function which i don't get the point of and then did you know that if you pay money to get Tinder Gold, the app actually prompts you to switch your like to a super like for someone who seems popular on the app. No, really? Yes. This is problematic on so many levels, the least of which is if you like somebody and they say, oh, wait, wait, do you do you actually only want to like them? How about you, you, you kind of super like them to increase your chances that they will notice you? And I'm like, excuse me, are you trying to say the only way that person would pay me any attention is if I simp a little harder by super liking basically they're encouraging simping in exchange for validation so i didn't use tinder for very long but for some reason i sort of judged people if they super liked me so like i think i was even less likely to talk to people if they super liked me which was partly because like (laughs) for whatever reason i'm gonna blame it on bad app design and not be, be just being dumb but like something about how the app was designed i like always accidentally super liked people when I was just trying to like read their bio and look at their photos. So like, oh, I see. <laughs> there were all these people yeah. that I super liked that I didn't even mean to. <laughs> it was cause it was like a swipe like up <laughs> instead of like down left. I don't know. I was not very good at, <laughs> right. at Tinder, right. but like I would like super like people and be like, actually, I didn't mean to click you at all. The other social media platform we're going to discuss is of course, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, why it exists. <laughs> is beyond me like for those of you who are not on linkedin which i suppose is nobody it's basically a facebook for professionals because i feel like a link linkedin originally was it was just like your resume on a website which was fine i feel like that function was fine and you could just go look up someone's linkedin and it was like reading their resume but then they tried to like turn it right. into the social media site and it messy it didn't it wasn't it isn't it will never be it's not good it's so cringy let me ask you this as cringy as it is do you have an account do you not have an only account? do i have an account i i use it for my job i have a linkedin account i actually post things on the linkedin account it's so stupid because it is actually useful in some ways but then there's just such a mix of it's just such a mixed bag of weird stuff um but right. like i'll post things like my office just issued some funding opportunity my office has a job job opening like things like that but then i have to scroll through all these weird posts I have it too. It's a necessity, I suppose. Nobody likes it. I think the the general consensus of everyone who's on LinkedIn is that we don't want to be here. No one is here by choice. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no. Yeah, all of us are on LinkedIn, and I'm like, I still yep. think it's trash. I don't have, like, and LinkedIn will be like, put your photo up so people can recognize you. I'm like, I don't even want to be here. Why would I? Because everybody wants to seem like a successful professional on LinkedIn, everybody's lying. They will lie about their qualifications, stupid and unnecessary long yet vague job titles. Which, by the way, I don't think that's their fault. I think that's just a function of a lot of jobs have very stupid and vague titles. That's true. And they will write these long paragraphs that use words that are just professional jargon that mean nothing. Like useless buzzwords. Useless. Right, right, right. Core competency. Synergy. Bleeding edge. Tactical. Forecasting. Disruptive innovation. Visibility. Retargeting. Incentivize. Resource cultivation. And my favorite, functionalities. What do they, what do they mean? Somebody would make a sentence like, I have extensive experience overseeing the innovative core competency of the bleeding edge in order to achieve synergy and maximize client satisfaction. You didn't say anything. What? A lot of their, the, what they do, you can never figure it out. No. <laughs> what is your job? And they can't tell you. It's just, yeah. meanwhile, it's all highfalutin bullshit because the person who has all this core competency bullshit is on the Capitol being a gopher. Yeah. <laughs> like, your job, ma'am, is to go get us coffee at three meetings every day. And they will get on LinkedIn and be like, by the way, I'm not shading anybody who works for a living getting coffee on the Capitol. Like, I respect everybody's hustle. You really just want to lie and say, I do core competency. When really what you do is get coffee. Maximize the client satisfaction by providing <laughs> innovative <laughs> nourishment. <laughs> Here we go. These like, it's like LinkedIn influencers, which is just, don't, don't be that. Don't be that. Here's one. The best CVs and resumes are not built using Microsoft Word. The best CVs and resumes are built using hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. It's so, it is so bad. <laughs> this woman who talks about, I bought lunch for a homeless man and then took him to a meditation class. I don't want nor need recognition for what I did. Like, wait, then don't post it on LinkedIn that you took a homeless man to a meditation class. What are you talking about? <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> he saw a homeless man, took him to a... <laughs> <laughs> a meditation to a meditation class <laughs> because that's what a homeless person needs <laughs> but illuminate they don't so want nor stupid. need recognition for taking that homeless man <laughs> <laughs> to that <laughs> for taking him oh to the God. meditation <laughs> class I'm dying. I'm dying. There's also another social media that we missed last time, Pinterest, which, by the way, what the fuck is Pinterest? As far as I can tell, I did not join Pinterest until I was getting married and planning a wedding. And as far as I can tell, it's 50% uh, photos of food and drinks that you will never make and 50% photos of blonde brides with six identical bridesmaids holding some kind of DIY thing. <laughs> as far as I can that's tell, the model. that's the content of Pinterest. <laughs> I found it semi-useful for collecting things all in one place, but it's it's just not useful content. <laughs> I pinned all these DIY things and I didn't do a damn one of them for my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how the, the Pinterest thing works. I really don't. I usually like if I go search something and there's a Pinterest link and I need to like, I will probably if that's what shows up first, I want to know if that's the answer to my question. So I will follow that link to Pinterest. And every time I go, it doesn't let me scroll past the first page unless I make an account. Yeah. It's like prompting me. It's like, oh, if you want to scroll this page, you must make an account with us. It's not that serious. <laughs> I was X out. Like, I'm not signing up for Pinterest. For what? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, it's like they don't want you to use it. <laughs> it's unnecessary. <laughs> There's also YouTube, which I don't even know if I should call YouTube a social media. But I feel like there are creators who sort of have communities around them that they built through like their YouTube content. Oh, I see, I see. But yeah, it's not really social media, I guess like that. The one example I put on here is I followed this exercise YouTube channel. Shout out Pop Pilates. I think it's called Blogilates is the channel. Anyways, it's Pilates. It's Pilates. But she did this exercise series where like if you did the exercise series and you posted about it on Instagram every day for 30 days, you got a free tank top. I'm ashamed to say I did this. I love that tank top. I deleted all those Instagram posts as soon as I got the tank top. <laughs> 
but I had all these other people who follow that channel and were doing the like 30 day thing, like posting on all my, <laughs> on all my posts. Cause it had the yeah. same hashtag. But I remember like YouTube didn't actually start out being that it, uh, it started out being like a hub for music videos because that's what initially I used to use it for. It yeah. Was all the music videos, like it was the continuation of something like MTV, mm-hmm. but like they've archived all the music videos on this platform. <laughs> that's what I thought it was. Then all of a sudden it became like a content creation medium. And I was like, what? Yeah. You remember that video of it's like Taylor Swift singing trouble and going like oh and then they put the goat over it or like the automatic paper towel dispenser <laughs> to put this in. i don't know why that popped into my mind right now not the taylor suits trouble goat <laughs> that's like what i used youtube for i knew you were trouble when <laughs> but oh youtube God. is still going strong thankfully it didn't die at like vine or tumblr and any of those it's actually they're doing mm-hmm. good work so thanks youtube did you know if you're watching a youtube video and there are a whole bunch of ads in the middle and you don't want to watch the ads just toggle the player all the way to the end of the video let the video run out and when the replay button comes up you just click the replay button all those ads are gone because it already assumed you've seen them once on that note that concludes today's talk about social media the part two thanks for joining us even though we lied to you about the topic you can follow (laughs) us on twitter You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, talk to us. We promise we won't do social media part three next week. (laughs) (laughs) On next week's episode, we'll be talking about sports. But actually. (laughs) Until next time, peace. Peace.